From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the uh, fabulous Friday. Yes, this is our last day together with the weekend nigh, and then we'll be back on Monday. This is the Chris Smith Show. It's a great pleasure to have you listening, no matter where you might be listening from, and maybe you're listening and also watching at this stage. That is what we're able to provide for you at TNT Radio. You can watch our programs. You can watch our very special commentators and interviewees and guests via the website. You can do it via our app as well. You can do it via Facebook. You can do it via X. You can do it via Rumble. You can do it via Odyssey, YouTube, and just about every other streaming service you can think of. And if you've thought of one that we're not on, we'll probably be on that by about this time next week. And because it's accessible that way, you can also watch our program on your smart TV as well. It's a whole new world of news, information, commentary, and entertainment on tntradio.live. It has just gone 3 p.m. where I am in Sydney on the first day of summer in Australia. Now, our American listeners, I know you wait for the winter solstice, which is December 21. You don't go for winter very early, and I can understand why. Uh, But we are sun hungry in Australia, so we kind of move into summer and herald summer on the first day of December. And it's not a bad start for us either, about 24 degrees and partly cloudy, but plenty of sun around. On this edition of the show, I want to tell you about some brilliant investigative work done by a New Zealand journalist aided by a whistleblower, a mathematician, on that country's spike in excess deaths. And if what I'm about to tell you could be replicated in just about every country, we might even have a proper investigation into why we've got excess deaths. It's quite a story and one which warrants investigation at the highest level worldwide. The data is quite extraordinary. I'll get you that very shortly. My special commentator this hour will be conservative lawyer and author Ed Martin, who's always great value, as you know, Ed, will discuss the ridiculous state of the electric vehicle market in the United States, the censorship of anyone who has liked or reposted anything on social media from Donald Trump. I'm not telling porkies here. These are not pork pie lies. This is honestly what the Biden administration is doing and has done. Plus, Will tomorrow's meeting of Republicans take the next giant step forward for the impeachment of the President Joe Biden? I cannot believe that there are Republicans, maybe they are Republican light, who are not convinced, given all the information that has been forwarded and made public, that Joe was somehow involved in his son's business dealings. How could they not share that kind of opinion and have that view. I've got no idea, but we'll talk about that big vote coming up tomorrow with Ed Martin. Plenty to tell you about in the paused war in Gaza. It sounds strange, doesn't it? But it is a paused war. The Secretary of State has delivered a stern message to the Israeli government. You heard part of what Antony Blinken just said in our previous news bulletin. Um, And we're getting a better picture too of how the latest released hostages have been treated 
and it's a little bit worse than what we were first told. I'll have former military intelligence officer Shane Healy on the program today to give us his interpretation of what's about to happen in Gaza. And if war resumes, what then for the hostages? The great thing about this pause in war has been the trickle release of hostages, giving them their freedom. What now? And then from down under, our Friday political animal, John Ruddick, MLC, will help us sum up another chaotic week. I've just been told from John that he's in transit from Canberra, heading back to Sydney, so we might even get him in the car. But whatever way, we will have him on air. We'll talk about the resumption of the people smuggling trade, the chaos over the release of that large group of criminal detainees, and the mammoth cost of making renewables work, especially in a very large country like Australia. Stand by for the truth about how expensive this form of renewable power is. And we'll open the talkback lines to you uh, from this point on. Come and have your say. It is the most democratic way to be heard in the media. No editing, no censorship, and certainly no judgment. So you can do that from the United States or Canada on 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you've got to say. There has been plenty going on in just five days and uh, no reason not to have a very stern opinion about what has gone on in the world. You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live on the global news talk network, TNT Radio. Live. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society, and I am fed up with it. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Now, in the past 24 hours, an investigation about excess deaths in New Zealand has broken on social media. Some of you may have already seen the video I'm referring to. This has been compiled by former lawyer and former television and radio journalist Liz Gunn, with the help of a whistleblower by the name of Winston. According to Gunn, the data supplied by her whistleblower, which proves how chronic excess deaths are in New Zealand each and every day since COVID deaths ended, has been exhaustively checked. I can tell you that I have never worked on such a detailed case. I have never worked on such a demanding story in all my years in both law and media as this one. It has demanded fastidious attention to detail and we have taken it to statisticians here in New Zealand and elsewhere around the world. Now, what Winston and also... Liz Gunn have established is that as soon as deaths from the virus ended in August 2022, a whole new raft of deaths occurred in excess of 120 per day, and they used that as the benchmark. They would record, or he would record, the number of deaths from non-COVID-19 causes that occurred each and every day in New Zealand, right up until this very day. The high pattern of mortality is unlike anything New Zealand has experienced, even pre-COVID. There are more people dying than ever before. These are the, the biggest number of deaths we've seen in history of New Zealand. The death rate has gone up 6%, 8% year on year. 
Even after COVID wasn't a thing, the death rate is still going up. And we're basically getting a Christchurch massacre now on many days in New Zealand. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes, that's right. It's like every other day, we're basically seeing a, another similar number of people in the Christchurch massacre, but it's not being mentioned by anyone in the news. Mainstream media is not picking this up. But there is an increase in the death rate. Nobody's talking about it. But we've got to know why there are excess mortality rates, not just in New Zealand, but across the world. He's absolutely right. And why the mainstream media wouldn't consider that an alarming story to be covered almost every day, I have no idea. You can only presume that they sense that it may have something to do with the vaccine. And the last thing they want to do is ruin the government's opportunity to get people jabbed again. There's still a large amount of data matching to do from Winston's numbers to see what people are dying from. Uh, if, for instance, the deaths were mainly from myocarditis, periocarditis, and thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, his evidence would be even more explosive. But as Gunn explains, he is not an anti-vaxxer and does not want to expose the deadly outcomes of COVID vaccines. One of the things you've said to me, Winston, is prove this wrong. Exactly. Go out of your way to prove this data wrong, that it's linked to the rollout of the COVID jabs. That's what you want, isn't it? That's what I want. Prove me wrong. And I will say, while Winston is doing this, he has said to me, I would love to be proved wrong. I wish it was not the jab that was doing this to New Zealanders and to people around the world. I wish I was wrong. Now, that is a man of such sincerity. Now, that video has appeared on Rumble initially, but is now being shared worldwide through all kinds of social media platforms. It ends with Winston referring back to February of 2021, which was when New Zealanders started taking the COVID jab. He can't help but think of all those back then who suspected that the vaccine was rushed and was too experimental to be relied upon and who then bravely but illegally rallied in protest. He says that those people and the ones who refuse to be controlled by vaccine mandate, mandates right across the world at the time are to be admired. The ones who stood firm and lost their jobs just because they were told to get a, a procedure that they didn't want and they were brave enough to say no, they're the heroes. Yeah. This kind of excess death investigation with all of this data is likely to be publicly available in most countries of the world. But for a nation of only 5.1 million people, that's how many live in New Zealand, 5.1, to have a constant death rate, well in excess of 120 per day, separate to the very small number of people still dying from the virus, is an extremely alarming trend that should be covered as the top story on the news in the evening every single night. The fact that all of these Western countries who are recording these incredibly high death rates right now still refuse to hold a proper national inquiry into why shows what a shocking protection racket has emerged involving government, public health authorities, big pharma, and indirectly mainstream media. This is TNT Radio.
You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, Certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained Uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air? On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Well, D-Day is coming for the President, Joe Biden. Multiple senior GOP sources confirmed that House Republicans are pushing to formalise their impeachment inquiry into the president. Now, Republicans will hold a key conference meeting on Friday to make their case and try to convince holdouts within their own party to get on board with a formal inquiry vote, which will be fascinating. Now, if those holding out do fall into line, the Biden family has every reason to be rather concerned. On Wednesday, House Republicans launched a Biden impeachment inquiry website which is just another sign that momentum is building for Biden's impeachment. Let's bring in Ed Martin, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund, to discuss this and a whole lot more. Ed has served as chairman of the Missouri Republican Party and as a member of the Republican National Committee. In 2016, Ed co-authored the New York Times bestseller, The Conservative Case for Trump. He's a board member of the Patriot Freedom Project, which provides support for the January 6th political prisoners. Ed Martin, welcome back to TNT Radio. Happy to be with you, Chris, and great to see you. Great to be on the uh, video. I like it. I like it a lot. So congratulations. Yes, spread the word. We are now radio, but in pictures and uh, on streaming platforms just about everywhere around the world, which is fantastic. Will House Republicans pushing Biden's impeachment have the numbers, Ed? You know, Chris, if I had to bet today, if you said, Ed, let's make a gentleman's wager, I would bet that they will, but it's so tight. You know, one of the things people don't realize, I think, when you hear one party has control and one the other doesn't, especially in the House, 
When the Democrats did it, Pelosi had uh, a hammerlock on that caucus. She could get them to go wherever they wanted, and she was really in charge. The Republicans, uh, they don't fall in line as well. And you've got a lot of members, uh, probably almost two dozen, that are in districts that are leaning a little bit more Democrat, and therefore they want to hedge their bets. And again, Republicans are not as good. Conservatives are not as good, I guess, at least in Republican politics or American politics, at falling in line. So I, we'll see. There's certainly more and more evidence and more and more attention that has been put forward about what's gone on. And I I, I got to say that the base of the Republican Party is is wanting this, and, and it's a growing number. It's not just like 10%. It's really a, 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 a strong majority of Republicans, grassroots, want to see this action. And I think, uh, I, but again, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would bet on one minute I'd bet one way, another minute I'd bet the other way. What is wrong with these Republican light um, congressmen and women, because Blind Freddie can see that Joe <laughs> Biden was in partnership in cahoots with his son. Yeah. Well, th th there's something here, Chris, that I, I need to say about both parties and about what we call the swamp in America. And that is one of the reasons that the Biden corruption is not uh, like a five alarm fire for the people in office is because a lot of them do something very similar. In other words, Hunter Biden is a crass and ugly and unseemly version of what an awful lot of people in power in America do. Their, their siblings are on the payroll. Their, their wife is a, a lobbyist. Their kids go to uh, a free university that's not available to all Americans, all kinds of things like that. So there's a little bit of, oh, boy, that's unseemly. But a lot of us are close to this. And, and I really do think that's a factor. I, I think some of these people are like, wait a second, let's not get too hot in investigating who's getting rich off of being in power. So, but I, I, look, in this environment, I don't have a good answer except to say again, the caucus is so tight. You just need four or five Republicans in the House to say, we don't want to vote that way. And the thing is stalled and stuck. My gut feeling is that there's not enough support for an impeachment inquiry in the mainstream media, which means that those who are Republican light are very, very adverse to going against what the mob are thinking at the moment. Well, I think that's true. Look, the media is circling the wagons and and, and, and the media certainly is trying to blow off all this, uh, uh, oh, you know, Hunter Biden, uh, well, he was an addict, but he's better now and it's not a big deal. Nothing to see here. I agree with you. The mainstream media and the, the sort of establishment uh, institutions are trying to move past it. But look, more and more people in this country, Chris, in the United States right now, when I say the swamp in D.C., it's both parties that are disdained by the grassroots. And lots of Democrats are looking up and saying, this stinks. And unfortunately for Biden, the way that works is when you're president, you get all the blame. You can't, oh, he's the speaker. Nobody cares. Nobody notices in America. They're like, hey, inflation is through the roof. I can't go buy bacon. I keep talking about bacon. The bacon that I buy for my sons, my family is up from $11 to $19 in the last two years. This is insane. And people are thinking, and you're getting a million dollars for your brother, Joe Biden. So I, I, I get the mob, as you know, the masses want this, uh, but the media is trying hard to slow it down and, to, and as you say, to cover it up and soften it up and make it so that uh, moderate Republicans and rhinos will hold back. Two green issues I want to raise with you in our sure. chat today. I want to start okay. with electric vehicles. Um, in an open letter to President Biden this week, nearly 4,000 auto dealers from across 50 states 
noted that electric vehicle production had outpaced demand and has resulted in car lots full of unsold EVs. Of course, that was the warning right at the very beginning. They say emphatically, Mr. President, it is time to tap the brakes on the unrealistic government electric vehicle mandate. It looks to me that reality is finally caught up with the Biden ideology on electric vehicles. Well, I, I, th I think reality has, but you know, I have to say reality and what they're gonna do, what the government will do are, are two different things. Look. Uh, John Podesta, very well known. He was chief of staff under Obama. He was a senior White House official under Bill Clinton. He left his lucrative lobbying career to go back into the White House last fall, about three months ago, to, six months ago now, to be in charge of a nearly $400 billion slush fund to incentivize green technologies. Literally no controls on where he disperses the money. Well, it's going to all sorts of left-wing groups. It's going to all sorts of Democrats. The problem with the green energy thing in America is it's just a corrupt racket and it's what transferring wealth all over. It's not efficient. If you want to be efficient, the best efficiency is oil and gas in engines for as long as you can see into the future. And look, I'm all for doing things like clean up the emissions if you want, put some things that make it easier. But let's be honest about it. In America right now, in Pennsylvania, in Montana, we have oil and gas that's available, but our president has stopped it. And so now we're dependent on the, the Saudis and others to give us oil and gas so we can get electricity, by the way, so we can then do cars. It's insanity. I, I, again, I agree with you that reality is catching up to the insanity, but it's like the border. In America, the numbers are coming out. It's like 5 million uh, foreigners, immigrants, illegal, well, they're legal, technically migrants, have come during the Biden years. And you say, how can that's got to stop? And it's devastating. Everyone's mad. They don't stop. They just keep the borders open. They just keep doing the green stuff. Then it's because it's corruption. It's transfer of wealth. It's influence over power. And because, look, if you're a university or you're a nonprofit, you got a kitty full of money, a big bucket of money that John Podesta is saying, do something green and I'll give you money. And look, follow the money is a really, really good filter when it comes to things like this. And this is so... Democrat DNA, isn't it? Like meddling with the free market, uh, whether it's with subsidies or a false illusion of a, a promising market like, like electric vehicles. But of course, they don't take into consideration that, you know, some people want some long-term surety with their investments and yeah. people actually don't have the money to go out and buy electric vehicles. Right. They've got a lot of other issues on their plate at the moment, including just putting you know, food on their table, when those things don't um, fall into line, the ideology just falls over. Well, that's right. And and I'd say it a little differently, Chris, to say I'm used I'm usually I'm usually one to say the Democrats are always worse than Republicans. In this case, I would just say this. The government in America, the federal government, has become so rich. They take so much money of our taxes and they then control who succeeds or who fails. And so, you know, Wall Street is not worried about the grassroots. They're worried about what Washington is doing because they want to maximize the influence that they can have on what's happening. That's why our American policy towards the communist Chinese regime until Trump was just roll over because Wall Street wanted to make more money and Washington could control it. So I, I look... There's a problem in America that the market, as you point out, is being manipulated, but it's primarily being manipulated now by Washington, D.C., 
and and frankly, both parties, we don't even talk about healthcare. Healthcare in America is, I think, the second largest expense completely in terms of everything we do. And that's being dominated again by a government system, paying system that is picking winners and losers. And the, the winners are big business, excuse me, big hospitals and big insurance companies, and the losers are clinics and uh, and small doctors and all. So uh, it's a one of the problems with this moment is that Republicans have some real, uh, uh, they have real, real uh, liability. They, they, they have some blame in this, but certainly uh, Joe Biden is completely uh, out of control. And, and you know, the, the next election is not just going to be about the presidency. It's going to be about, can we change this direction? I'm not entirely confident, Chris, uh, but I think we have to try. That's an excellent summary. I've got to take a break for news. We'll do that, Ed. I want to come back too and talk about this new video um, that's been released, a uh, stacker video on January 6, which I no doubt uh, yeah. would have thought you've seen. We'll ask you about that and more right after a quick break for news on TNT Radio. Here's a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Washington has told Israel it must put plans in place to reduce civilian deaths and protect critical infrastructure in Gaza before resuming its bombardment of the besieged territory. Turkey Air's president has declared Benjamin Netanyahu the butcher of Gaza, accusing the Israeli leader of committing one of the worst atrocities of the century. And the US state of Texas is suing Pfizer, accusing the US pharmaceutical giant of lying to the public and silencing its critics. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got Ed Martin with me right now, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund. I want to talk about another green issue, if I may. We've spoken about electric vehicles and why demand has not reached supply at the moment. But for the first time ever this week, a commercial plane flew across the Atlantic Ocean without using fossil fuels. It was powered by fuel made from waste fats and plant (laughs) sugars, all wow. in the name of net zero carbon. I'm all for affordable sustainability, <laughs> as we all should be, but there's something kooky about this, isn't there? Well, I just make me smile, Chris. I used to have a barber in St. Louis, and he was my barber, cut my hair. And all he would talk about when I was in the chair was how he had converted his diesel truck to run on excess grease. And he would go to the fast food, the McDonald's, and get the grease and then run it. And he t- he would tell the story. Everywhere he went, his car, his exhaust smelled like French fries, and rancid French fries. Look, some things maybe uh, sound like a good idea, but I'm not getting on a plane that's flying on animal fats. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I'll try a lot of stuff. But I mean, I think I think that's a bit too far. But it does point to this. I, I am very open. And look, America, we love this. I'm open to inventiveness and creativity. It could come to, you know, some new ways to do things. But I'll tell you the number one that, and it's starting to come through is nuclear. If you can get small nuclear power, nuclear plus batteries means you could get small units, nuclear power units, and then you can charge batteries. If we can figure out how to make batteries smaller and lighter, all of a sudden, you know, you can you can imagine things changing. But as of today, the only thing that makes us work well is using fossil fuels and and being smart about it. So uh, all the rest of it is a boondoggle. That's quite a story. I hadn't I hadn't tracked that one closely. I'll take the ultralight any day <laughs> yeah. over there, a plane powered by bats. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about all that newly released video footage, thousands of hours from the Capitol on January the 6th. 
You've seen it, no doubt, or seen most of it. How important was Speaker Mike Johnson's decision to make it publicly available? Well, it's a start, Chris. It's being sort of reported and misreported a bit. He has not put it all out yet. He put out a chunk of it, a big chunk of it. I'm excited about it. I'm thrilled about it. Most of what he's put out is stuff that I had been reviewing in the last six months or eight months. I was going into a special room to review it. So I've seen a lot of it. Um, I think exactly what I hoped would happen, which is lots of Americans have looked at it and they and are they are saying, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And half the time they're wrong. Right. One time there was a, a situation last week where someone said, oh, look, that's an officer flashing a badge. Well, it wasn't. It was actually a vape and it, it was a funny angle. And so, but my point is make mistakes. But let's get more transparency, more eyes on this than we've ever had before. And, you know, in the in American Congress this week, the House, a day or so ago, one of the House members said said something like, we know there are at least 200 federal agents there. Now, that's not the exact number, but that's a number no one said before. We're starting to get closer to what the heck went on here. You know, what exactly happened? And here's the biggest thing, Chris, that the video coming out showed. They had lots of images of normal people walking through the building. Until now, we've had the media and then the Liz Cheney, Nancy Pelosi select committee, and they only put out the stuff where some guy acted like a jerk, you know, hit a cop or knocked out a window. There's thousands of moments where you see normal people walking through the Capitol, taking a picture, fist bumping with a cop, you know, being normal. And you say, wait, I was told this was hysteria. This was a in armed insurrection. This looks like there was a, a lot of nice people and a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of hundred that went haywire. So we're getting to the bottom of it. I will tell you, Chris, there's a tension right now among people like me that know this well. We're worried that we saw a chunk come and it's got to keep coming. And in America, our elections come uh, about six months before the elections come in November all the elected officials stop doing anything meaningful, which is probably better for us because they don't screw stuff up. But they will they will sort of set set they will set up for the run and you can't expect much to happen. So we got a window of about five more months where we need the speaker to, to push harder and get even more out and not be afraid of that and get to the bottom of what, what, what has happened. Uh, this might sound like um, a very silly question, but apart from any video that might have been taken in the bathrooms, why isn't every single frame that's available already been released? Yeah, it's it, there's not a good answer, Chris. And uh, I, I have tried to be, in the world of uh, January 6th, I've tried to play good cop to some of the bad cops. I'm meaning my, my colleagues are like, what the heck is going on? You betrayed us. And I've been saying things like, we're making progress. We're moving along. There's not a good reason. Look, let me describe for you, though. There's 44,000 hours. About 34,000, maybe 30,000 are empty rooms, as you say, a bathroom. And so th th they don't really matter. And I know people think they matter, but I don't care. But there's 14,000. 14,000 hours show all the action. And they show very very specific things. And we've only got a few thousand of those hours. We don't even have, we don't even have 5,000. So my point is, in fact, we have a lot less than that, to be frank with you, Chris. But so we got some work to do on the key stuff. And my point is, you've got to, even if it's in dribbles, you got to get more of it out. You know, we've, I've looked at the video, Chris, I've looked at the video that's uh, a video of the Capitol. And I've gone in there. And I can tell you the pipe bomber, the person who placed the pipe bomb, I've watched probably three hours of the pipe bomber moving. They go here, they go there, they sit down, they go up, they go, I found them in a car, all this kinds of stuff. That stuff is not out yet. 
And the FBI says they're doing an investigation, but it's two and a half years later. This, these people planted two pipe bombs, one at each of the, of, the, of the party headquarters, could have killed lots of people. We should get that stuff out. So we got work to do, and there's no good answer to your, to your point. But I, I think we've got to do things like we're talking about now and promote and say, hey, we can, uh, we can handle it. We can make it. We can uh, get this out in a way that's going to be uh, fine. Uh, one last detail, Chris. You'll sometimes hear people say, well, there are some federal agents. There are some people who can't be exposed. That's nonsense. It, 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 we have a way of dealing with, say, an undercover agent who gets exposed. You have to protect them. You have to put them in a, a, a kind of protective service. But that happens. It, last month, Joe Biden went to, uh, to um, I guess it was to uh, Israel. No, it wasn't to Israel. Um, oh, Ukraine or somewhere. And he was with American soldiers. And the soldiers had their faces on camera, and they weren't supposed to be. And they were exposed. And now, because of the, the, the way these things work, they have to go out of rotation. That's sad and a disappointment, but it has to happen sometimes. And the commander-in-chief is allowed to go to a meeting. Somebody took the wrong picture. We need all the video out from January 6th, no matter what the, the sort of cost is to protect anyone that we need to protect. And so often you hear from police to say, well, please look at this video. Please look at it and see if you can add anything to the right. person we're exactly. looking for exactly. or what he may have done or what they may have done before and after the event. The public can help, but all of a sudden the public's not worth anything. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, there's, there's something at this point in American life when they won't give you access in a way that you usually would have access, you say, what's going on here? And, and you know, the old Reagan, the old Reagan uh, uh, mantra was trust but verify. I, I tell people my, my mantra right now at this moment in history is distrust, then verify. You, you have to start out saying you, you're, you, we can't trust what you're saying, so let us see it. And then if we verify that it was what you say, fine summation. Um, according to redacted search warrants and other documents released on Monday, this is just incredible. We now know that special counsel Jack Smith collected information on Americans who retweeted or just favorited Donald Trump's yeah. tweets. George Orwell has had a huge year in 2023, Ed. Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to make a different point on this. I want to tell you something. This is as important as anything I've said with you in all these times we talk together. And it's this. One of the most important things about America that makes us special is our legal system, our Constitution and the rule of law. And what you're seeing in Washington, D.C., the story of what Jack Smith did was the judges I mean, the judge who allowed this to happen, he per Jack Smith purposely stayed in a jurisdiction where the judges are the worst in the country. And they're big time judges. They're big federal judges. They have credentials. And the woman judge who did that, it, it's a scandal. If, if that if that is allowed to stand as the standard, it, 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 he was going in and saying, I want access to all of the Twitter, as you point out, all of the Twitter data about everyone who's not only, as you say, reposting, but just liking the things. This is an insane standard to have happen. If it's if it, if it goes like this, our crown jewel, the Constitution and the rule of law is, is being destroyed. And it's happening in the D.C., Washington, D.C., federal courts. That's who's doing it. And that's where the, it's a swamp again. And they're protected, by the way. Washington, D.C. is only 800,000 citizens. There's only, probably only three or 400,000 that could be on a jury. It's not a big jurisdiction. And yet they hear all of the biggest cases and all of the most important things because it's the seat of government. And so it's, uh, it is a scandal 
that that happened. It's a scandal for us. We, the people, should be worried. But it's a devastating thing that our legal system is this corrupted in this way. It's absolutely terrible. And in the past, that kind of surveillance come investigation would be um, the domain of a military operative dealing with a foreign entity, exactly. not their own American people. Exactly. No, no, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's, you're right, exactly right. But here's what's happened. What they did overseas, the American CIA and the deep state and the, and the intelligence community, they did it all overseas. They've, they've rolled governments. They've surveilled people. This is what they did. I mean, we know this now. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. They, they admit it. They go into countries, whether it's Libya, whether it's uh, 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 South America, and they set up organizations. They monitor the media. They censor the media. They do propaganda. They roll the courts. They surveil everybody, and then they change the government out. And look, you know, uh, uh, one of the things I was going to say, Chris, is it's the 200th anniversary, the bicentennial of the Monroe Doctrine. And, and President James Monroe, the Monroe Doctrine, for 200 years now, it's been a touchstone of American foreign policy. And it says, stay out of our hemisphere. And it doesn't say stay out of our hemisphere because we don't like you. It says, because what your systems aren't compatible with ours. We don't want our young republic disrupted. And then it also says, Monroe says, we don't come over into Europe when you're fighting amongst yourselves and pick sides unless our interests are impacted, and then we'll have a stake. Otherwise, fight amongst yourselves, fellas, fellas, because we're not getting involved. But in the last 20 years, 25 years, the CIA and the American intelligence community has gone out into the world and decided they're going to run the whole world. And when they were done doing that, they said, you know what? We can't lose control of our government and let Trump in there. And they turned the same tools onto the American people. It, it, it's as it's as big a uh, the coup that's happened in this country wasn't Trump and some guys on January 6th. It was the intelligence community, the so-called deep state, turning their tools onto the American people and changing our America dramatically. Yeah, and because of one Donald Trump, you saw yeah, exactly. right. one last question, yeah. Ed, if I may, and it it follows on this theme of censorship as well, but. The United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, yeah. aims to create an internet of trust. I know you're very much into <laughs> distrust before trust. Yeah, right. uh, by targeting what it calls misinformation, disinformation and hate speech. How can this program be called anything but a censorship campaign? Well, you know, just in the last couple of days, um, some of our left-leaning journalists testified before Congress. A guy named Matt Taibbi is one of them. Uh, Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger. Matt Taibbi was Matt, Matt Taibbi quoted a very famous uh, left-wing ACLU guy from the years gone by. His name fails me, but the quote he said was, "I'm not opposed to hate speech uh, codes because I, I I think that hate speech is good. I'm opposed because." Who gets to say what hate speech is, right? Who, if you if you if you're going to ban misinformation, you get to who gets to say what misinformation is, right? Your your mis misinformation might be my information, and so we have government in charge. To your point earlier about Orwell, government is taking charge of defining the words, and of course they define it to the advantage of the goals they want. And look. At a different point in history, maybe we would have, again, trusted these people to have our interests at heart. But I distrust them all, and I can't verify that they're on our side yet. I really can't. And so, um, you know, UNESCO is an example. Look, another. let me take another opportunity, Chris. Uh, Henry Kissinger died. And Henry Kissinger in America 
He's often lionized as a great thinker. He lived 100 years, and I hope he got to heaven. I, I'll pray for him, I promise. But Henry Kissinger was a truly despicable policy leader in America. What he did to this country, the way he transformed this country, it was extraordinary. I think he's a communist. I think he was a communist. He let communist China into America. He led us into wars. He, he created this nonsense, this idea that we had to be citizens of the world. And he was a dominant figure in all those things. And, and you know, we, we're sick of this. UNESCO and the UN and these sovereignty grabs, Americans are sick of it, just like the people of Poland and Hungary. And heck, I, Ireland's pretty fed up right now. So uh, this is coming to a head again. It did with Brexit. It did with Trump. And it's coming to a head again. And we have to uh, be willing to stand up and fight because, as you point out, it's not just the guys in Washington that want to censor. It's at Brussels. It's at the UN. Uh, it's everywhere. I was going to allow you to give your commentary <laughs> on the passing of Henry Kissinger, but you've just done it. Uh, my overwhelming feeling about Kissinger was the fact that in Iraq and in Vietnam, he dies with the blood of young soldiers on his hands, Ed. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I look, I, I, I agree completely. And I think the clarity now of what we see uh, with some, some history behind us, and again, they were lying about it. They were covering up what happened uh, so that we wouldn't say that. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I am more worried than ever because even Republicans came out and when Kessinger died, were saying a bunch of them were saying, oh, you know, he was a real leader. These people don't want to speak the truth or they're propagandized in the wrong direction. So I, I'm with you. And, and I actually think in America, it's really funny, Chris, there's left wingers from Vietnam era that hated Kissinger. And they're joined with conservatives like me who are saying, I'm with you on this. And the, the opposites are coming together around the question of sovereignty and limiting our involvement in the world to our interests. And I think that's all a good thing. But I tell you, I wouldn't bet against the blob, the deep state, uh, the power they have. They're not uh, they're not going to go down easily. So there's a lot of work ahead of us and a lot of uh, uh, excitement as well as danger, to be honest. Yeah, I always look forward to our chats. You're able to sum up issues that face Americans so succinctly and so brilliantly. Thank you very much for your time once again. It's always a pleasure, Chris. I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Fantastic. President of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund, Ed Martin. We will take a break and get your calls on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It's for the greater good. Have you noticed how often you've heard that expression? Mostly every time someone's advocating taking your rights away? The greater good. It connotes the old phrase, the common good, right? We're doing this for the common good. And we're gonna, yes, we're taking some of your income, but we're doing it for the common good. Well, that's shifted now to the greater good. Greater for whom? never seems to be greater for me or for you, it always seems to be greater for them. And who gets to decide for whom it's greater? Why, well, they do, of course. Be silly to allow you and me to be able to determine what's in the greater good and for whom. This is the insidious underbelly of the totalitarian governmental impulse. And it's not just here in the United States, it's in Ireland, it's in the EU in Australia and New Zealand. China, they don't even have to bother about it. They do what they're told. That's the entire essence of a totalitarian regime. But what's scary is how many democratic regimes want to emulate 
the totalitarian regimes. For the greater good, I'll take a hard pass. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad, or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, There are some corporations, in particular media corporations, who are very, very sensitive right now about what people say under their command, um, supporting their brand at a time when we've got conflict in the Middle East. Have a listen to this. Palestinian Canadian journalist Yara Jamal was terminated from a major Canadian media network due to her pro-Palestinian stance, highlighting tensions around media freedom and impartiality in the Israel-Palestine conflict. Jamal, the only Palestinian and Middle Eastern woman in the CTV newsroom, faced dismissal following her interview statement, Jews can exist, the Zionist ideology cannot, the state of Israel cannot in a free Palestine. Let me repeat what she said. Jews can exist, the Zionist ideology cannot, the state of Israel cannot in a free Palestine. So I would glean from that that what she's doing representing the canadian television network that she works for is saying that if palestine is to be free there can be no israel at all now that is likely to get in trouble Uh, the firing occurred swiftly after a twitter thread labeled her anti-semitic with the network citing a collective agreement violation but not actually specifying the breach But have a listen to how Yara Jamal explained why she said what she said. CTV News fired me after speaking up for Palestine. And as disappointed as I am, I'm not shocked. I was the only Palestinian person in the media in the Atlantic region and the only Middle Eastern woman in their newsroom. Here is a rundown of what happened. I made a comment during an interview where I was asked if Jews can exist in a free Palestine, to which I had replied saying, Jews can exist, the Zionist ideology cannot, the state of Israel cannot. Logically, a free Palestine cannot exist with an occupation or with a state that was labeled an apartheid state by human rights organizations. My firing took less than 24 hours after a Twitter thread had started labeling me anti-Semitic. Freedom of speech does not exist for people like me or people of color. It, It doesn't. Palestinians continue to be silenced and I will not stand for it anymore. CTV has failed me as a Palestinian employee and continues to fail the Palestinian community as a whole. 
Now, I'm a little bit torn on this because I actually think that she was making a reasonable point, but she just put it in the wrong fashion. She was saying that a free Palestine means there can be no Israel. Well, that is going to put, you know, a broadcaster in an unenviable situation. What she should have said without sparking that kind of anger, that is black and white, she should have said, of course, but not under a Zionist condition. In other words, not as a Zionist state, as opposed to what Israel could do if they got out of Gaza. I just think that she could have explained it a lot better. She says Israel is Zionist and therefore the state of Israel wants Palestinian land and so it cannot exist. Well, that's playing with ideology and presuming that the government is all about taking Gaza away from the Gazans. Well, Netanyahu is not aiming for that to occur. He's made that plain and simple on a number of occasions, and nor would any of the countries in the world who are now supporting Israel support him taking the Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip. They would simply turn on him, the United States in particular. Look what the United States has done today. Don't hurt innocent civilians in Gaza to the Israelis. Well, they're not going to come at Israel taking the land of the Palestinians. It just won't happen. So her statement that Israel should not exist is a highly inappropriate rallying call and can incite a degree of violence. So I think as far as standing up for a corporation like that television station, she probably deserved the sack. But it was interesting. There she was announcing to the world from her car and on social media the fact that she doesn't have any degree of free speech. Well, she's got a plenty plenty of free speech with what she's done and it's being repeated everywhere in the media, including right here. Meanwhile, another example, MSNBC, the cable arm of NBC News, has sacked one of its own as well. TV writers are saying that MSNBC has been losing ground in the ratings war and in a desperate bid to make up lost ground, the network has dismissed a star host. Hmm. When I read that, I thought, hang on a minute, does the star host have either Muslim or Palestinian background? Because why would they do that now? Did the network fire the host due to what he said on tape many years ago, where he described non-Muslims as animals? Well, yes, there's an argument that the left-wing network itself is doing it tough. They've averaged 109,000 prime demographic viewers on average during primetime November, um, and that's well below Fox and CNN. So there's an argument for the fact that they got rid of this bloke because they weren't rating, but it just seems odd that they would do that now. After the news was released yesterday, far-left liberal star Modi Hassan was fired from his job as host of a Sunday night show. Hassan will remain at the network which is interesting, only as a fill-in host and an on-camera analyst. Hassan's show on the streaming service Peacock has also been cancelled. Are they sidelining him because of the old tape and because right now things are very hot? Ratings aside, some believe Hassan's show was cancelled over the footage where he called Muslims animals. And he said a whole heap of things about homosexuals as well. 
Hassan apologized for the comments. This is back in 2009, mind you. 2009? 14, what, what is that? 14 years ago. Um, but they were recently resurfaced. The tape came out because it was actually um, transcribed and put into a story in the New York Post. So maybe the broadcaster, MSNBC, kind of squirmed in their seat, wet their pants and decided, oh, we better get rid of this bloke just for the time being. That's my read of it anyway. Um, have a listen to part of what he said in 2009. We know that keeping the moral high ground is key. Once we lose the moral high ground, we are different from the rest of the non-Muslims from the rest of those human beings who live their lives as animals, bending any rule to fulfill any desire. Once we do that, we are lost. Non-Muslims being animals. And all of a sudden it appears in the New York Post. Pressure turns up on the broadcaster. You know what executives are like in television land. They wet their pants, especially if there's a story against them. So who's going to act on that? And so... 14 years later, or what is it, 13, 14? Yeah, 14 years later, they decide that he's got to go. So they shelve him. He's not leaving the network. They shelve him. Well, he has every right, I would have thought, uh, to sue the pants of MSNBC, given the fact that he's apologised and nothing occurred in 2009. But they wait until 2023 to push him aside. He has every right. As for the woman I was talking about, Jamal, I just don't think she explained herself very well, and she made it quite clear that if Palestine was free, there could be no Israel. Now, irrespective of what she said after that, um, that is inflammatory, and that is something that the television network could not sustain. But isn't it funny at a time when everyone is sensitive to what anti-Semitic Statements are made, what is printed, what is published, what is said, what is said 14 years ago, that uh, all of a sudden they turn around and sack these people, thinking that it'll all just go away. Well, maybe it will all go away, but it's a, a sad day when you can't express your views. Um, from the Hill, billionaire media mogul Rupert Murdoch will face questioning this week from lawyers for voting systems company Smartmatic as part of the company's defamation lawsuit against Fox News over its coverage of the 2020 election. You know that they went down for squillions from Dominion, but now Smartmatic is taking on News Corp at the same time. The deposition will take place this week in LA. Murdoch, age 92, uh, served as chairman, of course, until only recently. Um, and so for some reason, he's being in control of the company at the time of the so-called offence. He will be asked as the person at the helm of the company to um, answer the litigation. Now, as part of that litigation, Dominion lawyers made public Rupert Murdoch's sworn depositions and internal communications. I wonder whether Smartmatic will do the same because Dominion did that in the previous case and it turned out very, very lucrative for Dominion. You just wonder whether the same thing could take place. Now, I've run out of time. First hour just flew by. Um, thank you so much for listening. I've got another hour to come and uh, lots coming up in the program, including our Friday political animal, John Ruddick, will be on the program. 
Uh, I'll also have a chat with Shane Healy, the former ADF intelligence officer, to talk basically about what's to come now in Gaza, seeing that Israel, after the pause, will continue their war. What about the hostages? Without a pause, can they still release the hostages? I would have thought so, but will they? All of that coming up in the program. And we might even catch up with Alex Zaharoff royt because there was a big announcement today about AI you should know about. So we'll do that next hour on the program. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio.